you came in, just stick your hand up and our wonderful hosts will get those into your hands. There is another means of getting our sermon notes into your hands this morning, and that's if you have the Version Bible app on your iPad, iPhone, Samsung, whatever. You can actually access this morning's sermon notes on that particular app because I uploaded them this weekend. So uh, all you need to do is to go into that app. You go to the area where it says events, um, and then you do a quick search for events, and you type in the name Infuse, and you'll see this morning's sermon notes hopefully come up. Haley's got them on her iPhone, iPad, Samsung, Samsung. So uh, just a means of us being able to be a little bit more. You can actually uh, add your own notes in there, and at the end of the event, you can save that on your device, and it's there forever and a day until you choose to delete that sermon note. So hopefully, uh, if uh, you've got that, give us a wave of your iPhone, your iPad, your Samsung to let me know that you've got that, or excellent. Praise God, there's a few people who got it. Hey, Jane can't get it. Someone help Jane. <laughs> Lord help Jane, Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, um, we're just going to do a bit of a, a, a new series this morning on uh, 2 Peter, um, the book of 2 Peter, 2 Peter, um, and we'll go from there. And hopefully I can get it without getting too tongue-tied, it would be great. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word this morning. I thank you that you're here by your spirit. And I pray that as I speak, that people would hear you talking to them, encouraging them, strengthening them, adjusting, bringing a greater alignment to who you are and what you're wanting us to do. I pray that as a result of this morning, there is a sincere desire in every one of our hearts to want to to know you more deeply to walk with you more intimately and to have you change our lives more fully as we walk with you and we go on this journey. I pray that you'd help us to do that in the wonderful name of Jesus this morning. Amen. Ever since I have been a child, I've always uh, loved and enjoyed constructing those plastic kits that you get. You know, like model planes, model uh, tanks, cars, motorbikes, ships, and, and stuff like that. I, I always loved opening up the box. You know, get this flashy looking picture of what you've got inside the box. And you open up the box, and inside you see all these different parts that are waiting for you to put it all together. You see the, the, the instructions that are there. There's these detailed plans and pictures of how stuff fits together, when certain parts need to be done before the other parts and how they need to be painted and I love that sort of environment that sort of thing that 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 happens you know there's this plan in this box there's these parts in these boxes and uh, I just love that whole idea and I just want to give you that that sort of a feeder because I'm going to bring it together in in a little bit more about this sermon because I I really feel that that's an, an image that God gave me to start this message with so last week we had our, our baptism service and uh, as one of the young people was going through uh, about to be baptized, 
uh, we ask the question, do you love Jesus? And what difference has Jesus made in your life? And this young person said, yes, I love Jesus. And when it came time for him to answer the question about, okay, what difference has Jesus made in your life? He said that before he used to be really selfish, but now he thinks about others more. And I've got to say, that is the, the demonstration or the fruit of a young person's life that has been changed because he knows Jesus. And I think that that's something that you know, all of us can take to heart. It's one of the big differences that God makes in our life. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11 says, Some of you were once like that. We were all selfish and self-centered and stuff like that. But you were cleansed and made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. How does God transform us to reflect His nature? When we give ourselves to Jesus and he lives in us, his character is formed in us. There's something that changes us. There's something that happens to us when we give our lives to Christ. So why is it that we struggle so much sometimes? You know, Haley said during the worship this morning that she's had a, a week that's up and down. It's like this roller coaster ride. And sometimes that could categorize how our Christian walk can be sometimes. You know, so what, what causes us to stumble? What, what some, why do we sometimes fail in our walk with God? Why do the desires of the flesh seem so powerful than the new longings that have been implanted into the very core of our being about wanting more of Jesus in our world? Why is there this competition? Why is there this, this battle that that goes on in us sometimes. And I think that some, you know, we, can, we can get some, some level of truth, some level of, of insight into how this all works together by looking at the second uh, book of Peter. Uh, and we can draw some strength from that. Now, so I'm going to just read a few verses out of this. And it's chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 11. And it says this, And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you know, grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the corruption of the world's corruption caused by human desires, or other translations say lusts. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with the generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And so says the word of God. 
What a powerful passage of Scripture. When you start to see and hear and realize all that Peter is saying to these, these, this bunch of believers that uh, are there. You know, there's, these, there's some things that he said to us that we can have active in our lives to help us to be stable, to, to not fall. There's a secret to a stable walk. One of the things that God's given us is his powerful resources. In 2 Peter 1 verses 2 and 3 says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you as you grow. Grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God's given us all things. Everyone say all things. All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his marvelous glory and excellence. See, Peter prayed for the multiplication or the increase of two essential elements in this. God's grace and God's peace. His power for living a real life and his calmness in difficulty. Isn't that what we all want? We want the ability to live a real life, but we also want the calmness when, there's, when, the, when it's happening, you know, when we're in the thick of it, when we're in the battle. We want God's calmness in the middle of that storm. We sang about it in this, this morning's service, and I've not colluded with, with Haley and the team about what I was preaching on this morning, so everything's just sort of like dubbing, dovetailing together. Jane's great message on, on cockroaches, just... I'll never look at a cockroach the same again. Just an amazing thing. See, our all-powerful God has provided and continually makes available everything necessary for us to live a life that's meaningful and productive. Life has to do with the quality of life. And godliness refers to someone who reflects the character of God himself. So we tap into these resources as we come to know Jesus more intimately. Grace and peace, the resources for life and godliness, come through a deeper walk with Jesus. In in John chapter 17, verse 3, we read that now this eternal life, that that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. We come to this point of, of, of deepening our relationship with God and we start to have these, these powerful resources released and available in our lives. Do we really know God that intimately this morning? Do, you know, does our relationship with God touch every area of our lives or is it only the bits that we want to give to him? Does our relationship with God grow deeper as we progress through life and walk through life? Do we spend time with God, talking to him, worshipping him, reading about him during our week? And I don't want to make people feel guilty. We're all on a different walk. But you know what? There comes a point where you, uh, the, the level of the, the, the value that you place in a relationship is reflected by the time and the commitment that you give to that relationship. Relationships take time. Great relationships take more time. Talk, listen, understand, share, serve, we think about, we work with, we play with. All good relationships require these things. And it's the same with our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, with God the Father. 
You know, if we are wanting a deeper relationship, a deeper walk with God, a more intimate walk with God, we want God to use us in our everyday lives, then it's, it's necessary for us to be able to walk with him so that we know what he's saying in a given time. We get the sense of where he's leading us, the things that he's encouraging us to say to the people around about us. It comes as a result of us intimately working together. We're, Jane and I were only laughing together just uh, maybe last week, or just very recently, where Jane said to me, we were driving somewhere, I can't remember where we were driving, but she just simply said to me, she said something, and then I finished the sentence for her. And, and she says, you, you often finish my sentences. I said, well, that's because I know what you're going to say. But I can say that. We were joking and mucking around, and it's true that I do finish a lot of Jane's sentences because I know how she thinks. How does that come about? Because I've spent time with her. Because we're intimately walking together closely in close proximity. I listen to what she says. And I've tried more and more not to finish her sentences. Okay, Because she has a voice. And she, ha- she deserves to be heard fully. Why wouldn't I want to listen to what everything that she's got to say? She might surprise me and just come out of left field. And I think, what the? Yeah, well, what? That's not what, how that, that sentence is supposed to finish. And I, I long, I'll report back if she does that. But there's this whole thing. Grace and peace also doesn't come from striving. They come from loving God who's already given us everything we need for life and for godliness. It's his grace that's been made available to us. It's his peace that's being worked in our lives. Philippians chapter 3 verse 8 says, More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. What's he saying? He's saying he's given some stuff up to walk with Jesus. When was the last time we gave something up to walk with Jesus? When was the last time we gave something up to sit down with him in the first thing in the morning or late night when you're just about to turn the light out and we say, you know what, I'm going to give up a bit of sleep and get up earlier. Or I'm going to turn the TV off earlier and I'm just going to go to bed and just read my Bible, spend time with God in the Word. Or you're just spending your lunch break with him, you go for a walk. And, and, and things like that. You know, I, as a police officer, one of the things I used to do when I worked in the city in during my lunch break was I used to, to walk around the corner to the, the Christian the CRC church in Sturt Street and I asked for permission just to sit in their sanctuary so that I could pray and just, just center myself on his presence in the middle of my shift. We, we've got to do things differently. If we want to see a different outcome, change the, the schedule. Don't let your calendar dictate to you. Let you dictate to your calendar what you're going to do. And if you're a person that lives by your calendar, schedule time with God in there. God will honor that. Boy. It's out of his own glorious presence that we get the second thing for stable living. This is a thing that Peter says. He said, God's given us his precious promises. He says in verse 4 of chapter 1 in 2 Peter, he says, By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Out of his own glorious nature, church, and his moral integrity, Christ granted us precious and magnificent promises that we can trust. God decreed these things. He's decreed these promises to us. And they have not, nor will they ever be revoked. 
In, it says in, in uh, Romans eleven twenty nine that the gift and the call of God shall never be revoked. It's never taken back. The gifts that God has given to you, he will not take back off of you. His grace has been given to you. He's not going to take his grace back. His mercy has been given to you, and he's not going to take his mercy back. I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was exciting news. Praise God that he's not going to take his gifts back. There's gifts that he's given to every one of us. He's not taking those gifts back. He's the gift of his love, the gift of his forgiveness, the gift of his righteousness. They have been given to us as a gift, and God's not taking them back. He's not an Indian giver. I remember my brother giving me stuff, you know, like he's younger than me and he's, he learned the hard way sometimes not to take gifts back from me. But, you know, he'd give me a gift and then five minutes later he's playing with the gift he's given to me. And I had to go and sort him out. But God's not like my brother, praise God. I'll tell you what, my brother's going on with God. He surprised me. He's talking about, he goes on uh, the long riders runs. He's been on some long riders runs. Uh, he's been uh, going to church. His wife's involved in the children's ministry. I've been you know, praying periodically every now and again for my brother. And then he, he tells me he's going to church. When did that happen? <laughs> I lost that memo. You know, but praise God. You know, we're praying for people and people are talking to our, our family and friends without us knowing, without our permission. And they're getting saved. What's that about? Jesus. It's his wife. It might be his wife. Yeah, that's cool. She is. She's, she's, even Lutherans get saved, Jane. It's cool. It's true. No, they do. It's true. They do. I, they are, there are some incredible people. I, I, the Minister's Fellowship is a great place. Just hearing all the miracles that God's doing through the whole body of Christ. I, I celebrate that. I think it's fantastic. So Peter says, that we can be partakers, we can be sharers, we can be partners of the divine nature. See, trusting in God's promises results in sharing God's divine nature. The promise that has been made to us relates to a restoration of relationship with God and sharing in his nature. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14, it says, God promises that those who believe in him will be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son who purchased our freedom with his blood and forgave our sins. See, these sorts of promises relate to an event that happens at the moment of salvation. Something happens to us when we get born again. We are different when we get born again. I was only listening to uh, Hika was telling me about uh, Rory getting baptized um, uh, a few weeks ago and Rory reported coming up out of the waters when he got baptized and he felt his autism just wash off of him you know I think that's an amazing testimony from a young man and I affirm that in Jesus name Lord make it the reality Lord cause that thing to be according to his faith in Jesus eh? so these promises they, 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 they relate to an event that happens at the moment of salvation at the moment of faith in Christ we escape the corruption of our sinful nature and our desires and are immediately transformed. We become new creations with the old, with a whole new set of, of new desires and, and longings for godliness. It says it in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation, the Bible says. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
I think that's an amazing exchange. That's a divine exchange that God's taken who I was, replaced it with who he is, and I now walk in the fullness of who he has created me to be. There's an outworking of that that happens on a daily basis. We know that. But there's something that's changed on the inside now. I'm not who I once was. It's like that young person going through the baptisms uh, waters last week. You know, I used to be selfish. I used to be self-centered, but not anymore. I think more now about other people because of the change that Jesus has made in my life. Is there anyone here who's the same? Three of you. How is this possible? You see, this is how it's possible. It's at the moment of salvation, we become his children. We are adopted into his family. He's, he's, he's signed the decree. He's signed the deed. It's been signed with the blood of Jesus that we are now heirs according to the promise. He's put his nature in us. He invites us into a relationship with the Godhead. We are the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Not only do we right now share the divine nature of God through the transformation of the Holy Spirit, but our entire nature is online for supernatural transformation. Sadly, some of us will not walk or uh, adequately reflect in the new nature because we don't fully understand the wonder of God's work in us. Peter urged the development of godly character. He not only talked about God's nature in them, but he also expected a reflection of God's nature through them. Whatever God has done on the inside needs to be outworked on the outside. We talk about having an inner faith, that there needs to be a faith that's seen in the daily activities of what we do from time to time in our lives. Understanding God's part and that knowing Jesus more deeply results in our changed lives, Peter says in verse 5, for this very reason. Everyone say, for this very reason. For this very reason. On the basis of God's work in us, and by the fact of our faith we share God's nature, let's live like it by making every effort to develop and live godly lives. Peter says, applying all diligence. Applying all diligence. You know, if someone were to give us a million dollars, it takes time and energy to invest and utilize such wealth and do it well. There have been stories, and we've heard stories maybe, where people have won the lottery, and then a few months later we find them in a worse predicament than they ever were before they won the, the lottery because they couldn't manage or utilize or invest the wealth that they'd come into because there was no change on the inside. That's why when the, the people of Israel came out of Egypt and they walked through the wilderness, they went through a process of God doing some things in their lives because not they were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. They still operated with a slave mentality. And that's what's happening with us, with the ongoing transformation that God's bringing in our lives, is that God is getting Egypt out of us. He's getting slave mentality out of us. It's like we have to beg God to do things for us. When you understand your identity in Christ, you don't have to beg God for anything. You simply have to ask him because he's a loving father and he wants to give us stuff. That's who we are. There's the transformation that needs to take place. I don't need to beg him for anything. I'm getting, is anyone make, is this making sense to anyone? Excellent. I'm praise God. I'm here for those people. There we go. So, 
It'll take energy and diligence to see our meaningful and godly life developed. Because God's done a great work of salvation, we are to respond with all diligence. In other words, all eagerness, haste, speed, care, and an earnestness. So Peter urges his readers to be serious about supplying the outward signs of an inner faith. See, this is what I believe, and Joseph Prince says this so well. He says that right behavior follows right believing. If we try to be good because they think that's what's got to happen, it's not going to work. Self-efforts, self I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. We say that. That's a saying that's, that's common. But you know what we need to change first? Forever the, the, the behavior to have a long-lasting and eternal effect is we need to change this thing up here. We've got to reprogram. We've got to renew our mind so that that's what helps us to start to have a different behavior and a different walk every day. Amen? We've got to have right believing that's going to lead to right behavior. Without the right believing, you're just going to go through the motions. and It's not going to be long before we find ourselves doing the same things that we were before or worse. Having applied diligence to what God's done, we have something to do. We are to supply something. We're to supply. We're to furnish something, to aid, to contribute from our own expense. I love it when, uh, uh, I think it was David, King David, he was given the threshing floor of uh, some bloke, uh, and this guy was going to give it to, to the David, the, this threshing floor, floor for nothing. It wasn't going to cost David anything. He said, how, be, how, how, far, uh, how, how wrong it would be for me to, to, to give to God something that's not cost me. And sometimes the offering that we're giving to God is ourselves. Sometimes we need to place ourselves on the altar and say, God, my life is yours. I'm here. The problem with that is that we're still a living sacrifice. We're still wriggling on the altar. We need to count ourselves dead to this life and alive to Christ. Does that make sense? So we just need to to tap into this. So Peter lists seven aspects of godly character that we need to add to our faith. We often think that we have a natural bent towards evil and that we have to work at godliness. When in actuality, God has already instilled these new desires within us, these godly desires are in every believer. All we've got to do is that we need to just tap into what God's already put within us. And this is where I I, I thought about this model plane stuff. Everything I need to make that plane is in the box. The plans are in the box. The parts are in the box. The design is in the box. But God's placed so much more in us than a simple model. He's put his character, his DNA in us. And we just need to tap into all that God has put within us. And I want to tell you this morning that there's not a single plane in your box, but there is a squadron, there's a battalion, there's an actual army that's inside of us. It's not just one thing that God's put in us. There's a multiplicity of things that God's put in us. And there's an inexhaustible supply of what God's going to do inside of us. It's it's there for us. He's the eternal God. He's the the all powerful God. He's the all-knowing God. So therefore, what he puts into us is going to be like his nature. It's going to be something that we can draw upon, we can dig into, we can tap into at various times when we're going through certain things. So what are these seven aspects of godly character? It says in verse 5 of chapter 1, verse 5 to 7, in in view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith 
In other words, add to your faith. Okay, uh, Add to your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, of mor- moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. See, the first thing that he's put inside of us is moral excellence. See, Peter tells us in his first letter, this is who you are because of him. He says, this is what he says, you are a chosen race. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, holy nation, a people of for God's own possession. This is who we are. This is what's inside of us, the moral excellence of who he's changed us into being. We are a holy nation. So the the best way to proclaim these excellences, excellences is to let them show through our lives. Let it shine out, your moral excellence. Not that you're better than anyone else. It's just that there's some stuff that's different about us. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. Second thing is knowledge. Supplement your moral excellence with knowledge. We need to fully supply knowledge to our faith. What does that mean? A deeper knowledge of who God is. A deeper knowledge of his characteristics, his nature, how he operates, his his ways, not just his words. We are to search God's ways and wisdom as we would for gold and silver. If we knew that there was a supply of gold in a paddock, and we knew where that paddock was, I would suggest that there would be very few people who would be on the outside of the paddock, happy for everybody else to do the digging for the gold. We've got to jump into the paddock and search for God like we would for gold. We've got to search for him and and want and desire who he is. We get to go on this lifelong quest to gain a greater ability to understand God and his will and his ways. Third thing is self-control. Supplement your knowledge with self-control. The Greeks viewed this with this virtue as the ability to keep one's passions under control. It described one who isn't self-indulgent, but self-controlled. It's obvious that such an inner control is the result of one who is yielded to the direction of the Holy Spirit. Fourthly is patient endurance or perseverance. It says to supplement your self-control with patient endurance or perseverance. To endure isn't just to grit our teeth until it's over because it's the only, we don't have any other choice. It's not about that. It's the kind of endurance that voluntarily endures our suffering with a sense of purpose and hope, knowing that God is truly in control and his eternal purposes are greater than my happiness or comfort. Fifth thing is godliness. Supplement your perseverance with godliness. This word generally has to do with those who exhibited complete devotion to God and our responsibility towards others in the world. We are to eagerly cultivate an honoring response to God, first of all, and then to others. People have value that demands a proper response from us because they're made in God's image. Jane said that so well this morning during communion. They might be different. They might believe different. They might understand different. They might speak different. But we have to honor them because they're made in God's image. We're to value who they are. We must develop a God-centered living as well as others-centered living. Sixthly is brotherly kindness. We supplement your godliness with brotherly kindness, it says. Peter urges believers to cultivate a sense of companionship or partnership with one another. We're in this together. This is the body of Christ. We are loving one another and supporting another. And that leads into number seven, which is agape love. 
It's the godly sort of love. To supplement your brotherly kindness with love. It's an unconditional commitment to pursue relationship with someone and to do all we can to support them. So what are the benefits of this godly characteristic, this godly character that we have? Number one, useful and fruitful in the knowledge of God. We can be useful and fruitful in the knowledge of God. It says, for if, you, you, if you, these qualities are yours and are increasing, then you will be kept from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Peter identified the condition by which the addition of these virtues upon one another is, being, is beneficial to us. If we possess them, if we got them on an increasing measure in our lives, if we do, then we will continually be effective in what we're doing and productive in our relationship with Christ. There's, there's no question about the reality you know, uh, of our relationship with Christ when we're doing that. If we really know... Jesus, then we'll live like Jesus. If we're not living like Jesus, then do we really know him? Does our relationship with Christ make a difference in how we live? We may be saying being a Christian doesn't really make a difference in our life. Well, we accepted him, but there seems to be no impact in our everyday life then our knowledge of Jesus seems to be unfruitful and it's useless. If our relationship with Christ appears to be useless and unfruitful, then there's likely to be two problems. Number one, we don't really know Christ and therefore don't share the divine nature. Secondly, it may be this, that we know Christ but we've become short-sighted or blind. It says in verse 9 of 2 Peter chapter 1, He who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to the point of blindness, and has forgotten that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Peter says the reason we don't develop these things is because of blindness. We become short-sighted. We just don't see the point of following Jesus. We don't see the point of being nice. We don't see the point of being generous. What's the point? We're short-sighted. We're short-sighted. We don't understand why. Or we simply forget what Jesus did for us and in us and therefore have no hope of him living through us. We've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten what he's done for us. We've forgotten that we are purified saints. We've forgotten that we're not the same. We've forgotten that we're new creations in Christ. We forgot and we no longer need to be slaves to sin but alive to God. We've forgotten what he promised us. We forget a deeper relationship with Christ is the key to life. It's not trying harder. It's not seeking some mystery or hidden principle around about. It's simply knowing more deeply that Jesus in that time, it's, 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 when we understand and walk deeply with him, it opens the floodgates of grace and peace. And it unlocks our unlimited storehouse of everything that we need to be living a meaningful and a godly life. The second benefit is that, uh, of a godly character is stability. Who wants to be stable? Who wants to stand on the rock, you know? In verse 10 it says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Let's be sure about our relationship. 
Let's be sure about it. Make sure that we really know Jesus. If we know him, we'll live like him. And as a matter of nature, uh, as, as a matter of course, you know, it's, it's, as long as we live like Jesus, we'll never stumble. If we're just following on with God, we're following on through with Jesus. If we do stumble, it just highlights to us a way that, hey, God, I don't think I'm following you in the right way in that area. Can you help me to, to adjust myself, to, to bring a slight adjustment in the way that I'm living? Because obviously, if I've fallen or I've stumbled, then there's something I just need to learn in that moment. Ask ourselves, why did I fall over? Why did I, I suddenly really snap at someone? Just a thought. Third benefit of a godly character is a glorious, heavenly reception. In verses 10 to 11, it says, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never fall. And you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember the one who's called us. Remember who God made us to be. Only as we realize that we've been made partakers of the divine nature through faith in the promises of God will we live differently. When we forget, when we stumble, when we remember, we get to know Jesus better and increase godly character. We've escaped the corruption that's in the world through evil desire. We share in God's very own nature. We are no longer children of Adam, but we are children of Christ. 1 Peter uh, verses, or chapter 1, verses 13 to 19 says this, So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in the land. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Jesus, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. That's what he's encouraging us to do. Paul exhorted us to glorify God in our body. What kind of temple are we? Do people encounter God by being around us? Whose nature do we reflect to those around about us? Have we forgotten our purpose is to declare his greatness by releasing his greatness through us? I felt the Holy Spirit say that there are people with gifts inside of them placed there by God this morning. But they're dormant Because you've not given yourself completely to God. You've hidden off areas of your life. Maybe because it's too painful. Maybe because the pain was so much. Maybe because you don't want to revisit that time. But God's saying, if you give me everything of yourself, the gifts that I've placed within you will start to come to bear and start to produce a fruit in your life. God wants his his nature to be outworked in you this morning. Today, how about we make a commitment, to renew a commitment to know Christ more deeply. Let's stand.
I know that there's a lot of uh, just unfolded for you, just put out there. Thank you, God. Just close your eyes and lift your hands if that's how you want to do it. It's entirely up to you. Just, Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence this morning. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. And this week, Lord God, would you put it in all of our hearts to just want to renew our commitment to you, to open ourselves completely to you, to surrender every area of our lives to you, to not have any rooms in our heart that are closed off to your gaze and to your access. Father, we, we, I ask that you help me to do that more and more, to have no areas, like the song said, no, uh, to, uh, the, the darkness would tremble at your presence, Lord. I, I ask you, Lord, that as we make a determination to do that, that your nature, your character flourishes within every one of us, that we live this life of godliness and, and divine life, taking on the divine nature that you've already placed within us. Help us to, to tap into those things that you've put within us. Help us to add to our faith those seven things, Lord. Help us to, to, to do things in a way that honors you and glorifies you. Father, would you take us on a journey of loving you more deeply, loving you more fully, and understanding what you want in and through our lives in the wonderful name of Jesus this morning. And everyone said, Amen.